You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Lynn Devitt, and I'm here with Roxanne Solomon. We we left you all with a cliffhanger. We sure did. You're going to have to like keep listening to get the rest of the story someday. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because (laughs) technically, we should have introduced our next guest last time. Yes. So far, our our Hosting together means we chat a lot, which is which is good. Um, I am excited to welcome one of my pastors here to, in studio, Father Robert Keller, who is a pastor at a Holy Spirit Catholic Church here in North Fargo. Um, and one thing that I love about being Catholic is is our calendar. I just like I I didn't appreciate this probably until ten years ago or so when I found Real Presence Radio. But there is just so much to learn, and I turn the page in my Magnificat, and I am learning something again. And tomorrow is the is the feast is a feast of the Nativity of Mary. Sometimes I'm I'm not totally sure if their feasts are there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, I'm pretty sure. No, I put. I didn't include that in the question. Sorry to throw that. Out, but but we will be celebrating as the church the nativity of Mary. And so, what is what does that mean? The nativity of Mary, Father Keller. So in this case, we celebrate a day that it's like a, a day that we celebrate Mary being born. The truth is that. It's a long time ago, and we don't know exactly when she was born. It's celebrated on September 8th, probably because of its connection to the Immaculate Conception of Mary on December 8th. So we're nine months after the Immaculate Conception, and we celebrate the birthday of Mary. And while it would be great if we knew a lot more about when she was born, uh, we don't. Most of the information comes from a source that's not a canonical gospel, but like the names of Anne and Joachim, the parents of Mary, are from a document called the Proto-Evangelium of James. And it wasn't included in the canonical gospels, but it represents a kind of tradition and a way that we honor this birthday for Mary. And, And why is it important to honor Mary's birthday? Well, I think, like you said, the calendar has a kind of rhythm to it, and a beautiful part of being Catholic is we encounter these celebrations of the saints and the mysteries of the faith, and it gives us a chance to reflect on it. What does it mean that Mary was born, that she becomes the mother of the Savior of the world, and that formation for that journey, that formation for that vocation begins from a very young age in the home that she grew up in with Anne and Joachim, and the way that she lived. And so in some ways, I think it's an image of tenderness that it seems very approachable to think about the birthday of a young girl, to think about her being nursed by St. Anne and taught by Joachim and all of the other parts and pieces of daily life in ancient Israel. And at the same time, it, it really is a chance to reflect on the mystery of Jesus. She's one of the saints that we have more than one feast day for because of her role in salvation, that her life becomes intimately tied to the life of her son. She is the mother of God. And so our celebration of her birthday, I think, is a chance to sort of open up this landscape and to explore it in faith. I have a question. I'm going to be the 
Protestant devil's advocate right here. Um, but it's not in the Bible, um, and, and, and it just seems like you emphasize Mary so much. So can you explain, like, I don't see that date, September 8th, anywhere. Sure. And the truth <laughs> is that you can't find it in the Bible. To a certain extent, they put a date on the calendar because they needed one. <laughs> um, they wanted to celebrate it, and and this became a natural fit once the Immaculate Conception was established on December 8th. But part of the part of our devotion to Mary comes from her role in salvation history, that she is the mother of God, that even Elizabeth in the gospel says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So even Elizabeth, like scripture is calling her the mother of the Lord, which is maybe even a stronger phrase than the mother of God. And it's in reflecting on that that we've come to see the greatness of her role. She shows up at a number of key times in the Gospels. Sometimes she's given a strange title, like people will comment on Jesus calling Mary woman a couple of times in the Gospel of John, the wedding feast at Cana, and when he is dying on the cross. And while it sounds kind of strange to our English ears, one of the things that we have to be careful of is the Gospel wasn't written to 21st century English-speaking Americans in the central region of the United States. It's written to us in an extended sense, but its context, its history, is in ancient Israel. And so when Jesus calls her woman, if you were a Jewish person living at that time, if you heard that, the woman that you would think of is the woman that's first given the title in the Bible, Eve. And ultimately, Eve is the one who falls, and Eve and Adam fall and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in a very strong way, there's a promise that the woman will crush the head of the serpent, or in some translations, the child of the woman. And when Jesus calls her woman, there's a couple, those few times he does that, he seems to be referencing that title from the beginning of the Bible, from the book of Genesis. And in many ways, Mary is a new Eve, a greater Eve, because when she is offered the chance to participate in the plan of God, when she's shown what is meant to come, when Gabriel appears to her, she doesn't say no and reject the plan of God. She says yes and becomes the mother of the Savior. And so she's also a model for all of us. She's a model of what a faithful Israelite looks like, a person in whom the covenant of the Lord is made manifest, that she lives in his kingdom, that she's a part of this group, this covenant people of Israel. And so that's part of the reason why we honor Mary. There's many other ones too. It's hard when you're on the radio because lots of this doesn't work in sound bites <laughs> to capture everything in one shot. But she has this amazing role in the gospels. We can see that. Um, she has this role in the church, and I think there's a beautiful gift in emphasizing that. There are times and places where devotion can sometimes stretch a little bit too far, or where it's like, well, I should ask Mary for something because she'll give me what I want when God won't. <laughs> and I think we have to be, be careful that our image of God that we are meant to live from is that he is our loving father. But Mary is a critical part in his plan of salvation. Without her, yes, without her becoming the mother of Jesus, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have the same church. We wouldn't have the same faith. We'd be in a lot of trouble. 
Um, and, but she did say yes. And I would say, Roxanne, I've heard that before from, you know, just reading, you know, why, why do we, and it's so funny to me because I've never felt like I worshiped Mary. And so mm-hmm. the first time I heard it, I thought, what is, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but I, I would just say in general, I, I'm not sure I had a super close relationship with Mary until my kids got older and all of a sudden, um, like, I felt like I needed support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I were both support for me. And I remember praying and saying, I, I think I think I'm ready for you to take over now, Mary. Like, I'm going to hand you this kid of mine. And, and I, I, I want you to especially help this child. And, um, and it was beautiful. And it was so helpful. And I really understood her as a mother. Um, but what I love about the nativity, and, and you mentioned it earlier, Father, is this sort of now that I finally figured out Mary as a mother and grown in devotion to her, not worship, devotion, mm-hmm. and understood what she can teach me as a mother, I loved now this idea of her as an infant, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and I think so... Is there something we you would think we should know about Saints Anne and Yoakum? You know, again, we don't know a lot about them directly, but one of the ways that we can see their influence is in the life of Mary and the woman that she became. You mentioned praying for your children and offering them to Mary, and that's because in many ways they become like their parents, that parents have a huge role in their formation. We suspect that Anne and Joachim were a very faithful Jewish couple. One of the traditions is that they were barren for many years and that Mary was a child of prayer and intense desire before the Lord to be fruitful and to be part of this line of the people of Israel. And ultimately, it's from that kind of prayer that Mary is conceived. At least that's a traditional account. And you know, I think that's a beautiful thing just to ponder, like you said, these different aspects of the lives of the saints. We sometimes connect with someone like Mary in a particular moment of life, but celebrating a birthday is a chance to expand it. So in her and in her life, in her yes to God, I think we can glimpse something of what Anne and Joachim were like, that there was a tenderness to their love. There was a reality to their love of God. They were people of the covenant, and that's pretty high praise. You know, that's the the goal of the people of Israel, is God has revealed himself in the scriptures and the words that they're given, and he's invited the people to follow him and live. And Anne and Joachim seemed to live in that covenant. They participate in it. That meant that theirs was a life of prayer and celebration as well. Celebrations like Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles form the bedrock of the Jewish life. There were feasts, there were celebrations at the temple, there were special times of prayer. And in all of that, I think we can glimpse something from the heart of Mary of what the life of her family was um, before she met Joseph and became the mother of Jesus. Right. 
So if you're just joining us, my name is Lynn Devitt, and I'm here with Roxanne Solonen, and we are talking to Father Keller, who is a priest in the Diocese of Fargo here um, in North Fargo, Holy Spirit Catholic Church, and we are talking about the Nativity of Mary, which will be tomorrow. We are coming up on a break here, so I'm hoping you will stay with us. Father will be with us when we get back from the break, and thank you again. We'll talk soon. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. Through baptism and confirmation, we receive the Holy Spirit of power and truth, who then equips us for mission with ordinary and extraordinary graces and gifts necessary for the building of the kingdom. Sometimes those graces, though totally effective, lie dormant like chocolate in a glass of milk, waiting for our faith and understanding to stir them up. If left inactive, the chocolate often settles at the bottom of the glass. It's still there, but it's not imparting flavor to the milk. So what are we to do? Call upon the Holy Spirit and stir those graces out of the bottom into the milk of our lives. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life today, and He will continue to renew you and animate your life with power and love. Don't let your expectations limit the Lord and His Holy Spirit. Expect Him to act through you. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Lynn Devitt. And Roxanne Solonen here. And we are talking about our Blessed Mother Mary. What, what, a, what a gift to the church and, and, yes. and to mothers and to, and to fathers and to women and men and children. I mean, she just, she just has a special, special gift to us. You know, one of the things, Father, about talking about Mary's birthday, you know, another instance is I, I belong to St. San Joachim Church and, and I love like telling people like this is... I'll share on, on Facebook, for for instance, where I have friends that are of all different persuasions. And and just that idea that, yeah, Mary had parents, or and Jesus had grandparents. I'll say, this is the day we celebrate Jesus's grandparents, you know, mm-hmm. on the feast day. And um, I, I just, it kind of makes you pause, like, oh, Jesus isn't just, like, he's real, and his mom was a real mom. Like, sometimes I think we think of the, these characters as fiction characters in a book. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But but they're they're real people and I think those relationships and those like just the celebration of a birthday of Mary. You know, just that idea that yeah, she was born, she was a creature, but she had a special role. But but it just I don't know, there's a, there's a pause there to just there's something in me that connects with the the real simplicity of of what we're talking about here. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that was that's Jesus's mom and she actually was born. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Sometimes in my Bible study, I try to remind people, and I've grown to appreciate, it's easy to imagine people in the Gospels and these important people in history as kind of moving statues. They sort of have this solemn look on their face with their hand, hands folded, and they float around from one thing to the next. And, like, I think it's helpful just to remember, Mary ate breakfast. Mary got up in the morning, and there were probably times that she was tired. Mary, even though she is immaculate and without sin, probably had days where her hair didn't cooperate. <laughs> and there's just a joy in, in celebrating these things that touches on the basic life of a person. You know, that helps them be a person and not just this kind of moving statue, but there's a reality behind it. And, and yes, their faith is beautiful and they have an important place, but they're real. There are people that we can touch, um, at least spiritually, in our hearts. And one of the things, as I was looking at this and looking up some ideas to celebrate the day that I had to laugh a little bit about, is the first suggestion was to have a birthday cake. It, again, it's something that's just very simple, but it's a way of setting off the day with some kind of special food. And, and there's a beauty to that, that we're celebrating it as a feast of our faith, but also as a real birthday. We used to do Jesus, a Jesus cake or whatever on, on, on Christmas Eve or whatever. I mean, I think for little kids, I mean, that really brings it home to them because they get excited about birthdays, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and again, that humanity of it. And I think it makes it, I think it makes them more approachable too. Like it makes Mary more approachable yeah. when we see her humanity. I think it's really, it, it is really hard it's a leap, like to go from the moving statue, like you're talking about, to because I've tried to imagine, like, what would it be like? What's what's it going to be like someday when I actually get to meet Jesus and Mary? Like, it, they'll be real, you know. Yeah. It's just it, it is it is like our our human mind kind of has a hard time grasping it, and so again, I think this kind of celebration brings us back and kind of helps us at least start to make that journey towards that bringing that wholeness. Yeah. And I think too, and I and I don't. Maybe this is as a woman, but maybe not. We're talking about you know we had well-read mom earlier, and we have single mom smiling after this. But this idea of growth, right? You start as an infant and completely help it, helpless, and then you end up being the mother of the Lord. Like what? What? An, what an incredible thing! And I I don't know if you're a if either of you are fans of the chosen, um, and I I have enjoyed much of it because I don't have a great imagination. I have a hard time picturing things, and so to bring to life some of what maybe some people look at as a character in the Bible, it, it brings it to life. And I realize that these are people. But one of my favorite and very um, it, it really brought a lot of emotion out of me is there's this there's this period of time where all the apostles are kind of sitting around the fire and waiting for Jesus because he just keeps healing people and they just keep lining up and and um, and so he finally comes back and he is drained he is 
exhausted um, and his feet hurt. And you think, man, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot on one guy. Um, But of course, he's our Lord. And he's walking to the tent and he says, mom, holding out his hands. And she runs up to him and says, I'll help you. I'll wash your feet. And there's this moment, you know, these are, this is what happened back in biblical times, but it connected the love that Jesus had towards his mother, who of course was there to wash his feet. And it just like, I get emotionally even talking about it. And like I said, some people are fans of the chosen and some are not, but um, this connection to now she was she was an infant, just like you know I had an infant and I was an infant, and her growth and it it just is it really impacted me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think that's a beautiful thing, like that's just part of humanizing Mary in the Gospels. We sort of see her a few times at the beginning of the life of Jesus, and one thing that the chosen portrays, and I think they're probably right in this: if Mary is the mother of God and she's the mother of our Lord and loved Him very much. The thought that she just sort of let him preach on his own for years doesn't really work. It's like, I think she came to visit sometime. She probably bought, brought him treats from home. You know, she probably listened to some of his sermons. She probably was with him in some of his healings. I mean, that's just, that's the human reality of, of life in Israel. Even if she stayed in Nazareth, it wasn't all that far from Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee. And and there's a, that I think, that kind of human reality is something that we touch so beautifully in celebrations like the Nativity of Mary. Like all of a sudden, she can be a person again. She can be uh, someone who who has hopes and desires and dreams and and is part of the life of our Lord and, and also has her own deep and beautiful relationship with God. Can I ask you, Father, what is your like relationship? How has your relationship with Mary helped you as a priest or a person? Or where, where does she come into your life? That's a personal question that I, we weren't prepared to ask, but I'm just curious. <laughs> you know, it's, it is a really great question. I think that one of the things I would say about devotion to Mary as a priest is it's something that I have to work on cultivating um, to work on having it be more of a relationship. I mean, certainly I find her one of the first people that I turn to when I have a need or I know of a need and to seek her intercession for a particular place. And that is beautiful. As a priest also, you get to celebrate and participate in the liturgy throughout the year. You have days like the birth of Mary, but also her Immaculate Conception. And a few weeks ago, we celebrated her Assumption. And so we have this beautiful chance to reflect on her and the work of God in her, that she is one of, if not the most beautiful paintings you could say that he's ever done, the greatest work of art that has ever been conceived, at least as a human. And in the celebrations of her life and the celebrations of things like her assumption, we have a chance to reflect with her on the greatness of God and to admire his work. And so I think part of my devotion to Mary as a priest is a lot, uh, I feel like I get to sit at her feet and listen to Jesus or sit with her and listen to Jesus and reflect on this beautiful plan of God with him. Uh, So that, that connection to the liturgy has certainly helped me and I think is one of the beautiful reasons why we have a calendar and why we do celebrate these things. 
You know, one of the things, too, I'm thinking of, a little bit different than, although connected, is the lack of um, uh, a reverence right now for motherhood and even womanhood. Um, those things are kind of being erased and, and those lines are being blended and we're losing sight of the beauty of a mom and what she is uniquely. And I think that's another good reason to have another celebration of Mary and again, a very human one right. mm-hmm. and where we're connecting to her humanity because right now we're, we're losing our grasp on that. Do you have any thoughts about that, Father? You know, I think that is one of the struggles in our culture that we see is questions are arising even about what used to be considered fundamental and part of our DNA and part of our biology. And in Mary, you see an example of womanhood, an example of motherhood that is something worth holding up for imitation, that is worth holding up as a way of living the gift of the feminine reality and the gift of a feminine heart, the gift of a feminine soul. And at the same time, like it's a chance for all of us to look at that, even from the perspective of a man and to see, to see and reflect on that gift and the beauty of what she has to offer that she loves Jesus particularly in a way that's particular to her as his mother, that there's a particular gift in that. And it's different than the way a man would approach it, but that doesn't mean that it's less. It's just different, and it's equally as beautiful. Um, and there's there's a gift to that that we can reflect on. I think each gender discovers its own uniqueness through the other. So you can't really talk about Mary without talking about, and a mother without talking about a father. I mean, they just go together and, mm-hmm. and, 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 re, and are complementary. So, mm-hmm. Roxanne, do you ever do your kids ever say? Um, you're my second favorite mom. <laughs> they haven't. I wish they would. <laughs> my my youngest, he's a bit of a charmer, and he'll be like, "Hey, mom, you know you're you're my second favorite mom." And I'm like, "What?" Well, Mary. <laughs> That's a compliment, right? It is. And, uh, yeah, he, he knows he's kind of kind of charming me right well, there. It, it's, so. it's, it's, it's a wonderful gift that she can go with yes. them anywhere as their spiritual mother in a way that we can't. And I think, again, it speaks to like, there's only so much, there's a point where we kind of drop off a little bit and our role changes, but Mary's doesn't. Her yeah. act, hers actually intensifies as our children go out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's beautiful just to end on a note that this is a great day to celebrate, to enjoy and to enter into, whether it's a cake or buying roses spending time with a statue or an image to to honor this work of God and to reflect on her role because she does so much for us in so many different ways. Thank you so much, Father Keller, for coming downtown to the studio here and Roxanne Sullinen and Lynn Devitt. We will be back after this break with Carrie Bishop from Single Mom Smiling. And thank you for staying with us. Thank you, Father Keller.